نعلمه ونستغفره ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شر انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا انه من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلن تجد له وليا مرشدا واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله بلغ الرساله وادى الامانه ونصح الامه وكشف الغمه وتركنا على المحجه البيضاء اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا وحبيبنا وقدوتنا محمد بن عبد الله وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله ولتنظر نفس ما قدمت لغد واتقوا الله ان الله خبير بما تعملون in the name of Allah the beneficent the gracious the merciful I be witness that there is no deity worthy of worship and adoration and prostrations except Allah the creator and sustainer of the heavens and the earth and I be witness that Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his final messenger your brothers your sisters were still reeling from the enormous effects of last week's tragedy and no doubt each episode of violence each episode where human lives innocent human lives are being taken takes a toll on these lives on their families on their communities on all of humanity on me and you right now we're being impacted by all of, by all of this our souls and bodies are wounded they're hurting and all these events take a toll accumulate on our spirits and hearts they dampen the souls they might actually make us feel as if life itself has been sucked out of us it's cool it's hard and so is life and in those rock bottom points of our lives rock bottom you know what i'm talking about when we hit that low point of our lives it doesn't have to be because of a big tragedy <clears throat> but it could be because life is just not treating us well things are not working out you feel as if you're hitting this rock bottom where all doors are closed and you feel perhaps that grief that despair that sense of hopelessness the question that i have for you and me today is when you hit that rock bottom point is it really possible in your mindset in that state in that psychology of that moment to feel that tomorrow could be brighter is it possible that you can imagine yourself in that rock bottom point being told imagine being told in that moment you're going to experience joy and hope this fear of yours will be replaced by comfort this sadness will be replaced by joy this despair that no matter how hard it is right now in your life that indeed it will be replaced by full satisfaction and optimism is that possible for us to think it in that rock bottom point i'm here to tell you amazingly brothers and sisters this is why we're invited in these times to set our eyes on something far more extraordinary the pain is real the pain is real the hurt is real but it's precisely in those in those moments those decisive moments in our lives when we're not supposed to feel optimism and hope that we need to set our eyes on something far more extraordinary that could really inspire here here is prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam just as all the messengers of prophets of god they had to endure some tough times in their lives very harsh cruel lives let us look at the life of prophet muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam just briefly We're all familiar with it, but we're summoned to reflect on it. Imagine a life where you have lost your parents, you grew up as an orphan, but also happen happen to have buried most of your children except one with your own hands. Can you imagine the pain of this? 
Enough to lose one child, let alone losing multiple children and burying them with your own hands. Imagine your own family turning on you, berating you, rebuking you, mocking you in the community. That really hurts. That is painful. Imagine now this, all of this happening not you know, over a period of a month, but years and years and years. Prophets before him experienced the same type of cruelty and harshness from their communities, even their families. You hit a rock bottom point where the Prophet has lost his wife, his supporters. No one is left. It appears like a rock bottom point where all the doors are closed. Even he was a human being. He felt that tension. He felt that strain on his heart. He felt as if life was sucked out of him. It is in those moments that Allah told him in the Quran, and what a beautiful message of consolation to you and me. In Surah Al-Duha, a surah speaking of light, life emerging out of the depth of darkness, of the night, where he tells him, مَا وَدَّعَكَ رَبُّكَ وَمَا قَلَى In this rock bottom point, O Messenger of Allah, Messenger of God, you're supposed to remember that God never forsake you. Never. He's surrounding you and engulfing you with His mercy and His knowledge. He's aware of your aches right now. He's aware of your pains right now and everything has purpose. But also He's engulfing you and enfolding you in His mercy. He's present with you right now in your hurting moments. That's what He told them. But it's, it's for all of us. Even if you think it, He never abandoned you. He's always been there. It's a matter of us being aware of it. But notice what He says next. Sure, you look deprived right now. Sure, everybody is hating on you. Everybody is hating on you. Everybody is hurting you. It's as if nobody wants you. What Allah does in that grand moment, when you hit rock bottom, is, your Lord shall continue to give you, and give you, and give you, until you're satisfied. Wow. How can you imagine this? Can I get a glimpse of that in my life? I'm not feeling well. Can I get a glimpse of the future? What if you were to be given a glimpse of your future? What if the heavens were to open right now, and you have access and that ability to witness the unseen, al ghaib Would your life be the same even though you're going through cruel times? No way. No way. Imagine if you were to see paradise right now. Just get a glimpse of it. To witness your seat with God. Your next place in the next world. Would you imagine your pain to be the same, it is impossible. Once we witness the future and the promise of God Almighty, believe me, even the pain right in that moment, when you're not supposed to be feeling as if things are going well, you're going to feel some healing. You're going to feel that sense of recovery. And you're going to feel optimism no matter what. Exactly in the life of Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu where he hit rock bottom. Rock bottom. We're city after city, we're rejecting him. We feel, we see him broken under a tree. You know the story of Taif. You heard it. But I wanted to set your eyes on it because it is for you and me. Here he is broken and bleeding from an injury he suffered because of being pelted by stones by a mob of people. He breaks under a tree and he's bleeding. Who does he turn to? Nowhere else but up towards Allah. And he issues this powerful, intimate supplication. Powerful, intimate supplication. And how desperate and, and, and in need of those desperate intimate supplications that emanate out of a heart that really, really sees no hope but with God. When he says, It's a lengthy dua. But right in the middle of it, he says something amazing. He says, Oh God, I'm tired. I'm fatigued. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have resources. I don't have means. I mean, I don't understand what's going on. But you know what he says in the middle of it? It doesn't matter. He says, Oh God, if you're not angry with me, then it doesn't matter. 
It doesn't matter. He sees something bigger than this world. Where indeed for that bigger thing, it's okay to sacrifice, it's okay to suffer. Because we have no ability to understand that suffering. As long as you are okay with me, as long as you're happy with me, oh God, then it doesn't matter. How many of us set our eyes on something bigger? Well, we really understand this is a journey of, of trial, it's not easy. But that the, the promise of God has never been to make life smooth. That it's indeed for something much bigger. That it's really worth that sacrifice. That, that striving, that tireless work to plant our seeds. Because the reward in your place is not here, it's with God Almighty. And that's why He tells them, look into your future and I'll fulfill that promise. But He didn't see it. It was right after that journey of time, that experience of time, where he hit rock bottom, the lowest of, of points in his life, that God makes him ascend. And we're familiar with that incredible journey. We all love to reflect on the journey of Isra and Mi'raj. Isn't it true? How many of us have asked, when did that journey of the ascent take place? Because Prophet Muhammad didn't just gain a glimpse of the heavens. He was transported to the heavens. And there are many opinions as to when this journey took place. But, some of the opinions of the scholars that it took place in the month of Rajab, a month in which we're in right now. Some said, speculated that it was in the month of Rabi'a al-Awwal. But many opinions say that it was in this month, and many say on the 27th of Rajab, which happens to be on April 3rd. Indeed on that day, brothers and sisters, many of us left to reflect on this story and commemorate it and, 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 and enjoy the blessings of it. But how many of us have asked, when did this journey take place? It happened right after this incredible lengthy episode of suffering. From hitting rock bottom, that Allah took him up. Took him up. Why did He take him up and make him ascend? It's as if He is telling him, if the entire world closed up on you, all doors have locked up. And if everybody told you, I don't want you, then God Himself wants you. But if you feel that you are at this low point in your life, then let me show you your exalted rank. Let me show you and make you witness your exalted rank. So Allah records this in the Quran. In Surah Al-Isra, first verse, where he says, Subhanallah Asra bi Abdihi. Extraordinary verse where he says, Subhana. Subhanallah is telling you me, after you hear about this, you have to say Subhana. Where is Subhana? It's you perfecting, declaring the perfection of God. That you really mesmerized and blown away by the power of God. Because this journey, this miraculous journey, speaks of His power. And you want the Prophet Muhammad to witness that power. And witness His rank. So Allah says, say, you and me are supposed to say when we reflect on the glory of Allah, in His power, and His knowledge, and His mercy, SubhanAllah, are our hearts moved when we reflect on this journey? In fact, on all of life, on ourselves? He says, say it. Say how perfect you are, O God. For what? He says, the one who has transported his servant, and he calls Prophet Muhammad his servant, just as he called all the messengers of God, servants, they're humble creatures, humble, peaceful, extraordinary souls, that have carried this incredible mission on this earth, and departed, departed, left their marks. He says, the one who transported his humble servant from the Al-Masjid Al-Haram, from Mecca, from the Kaaba, to where? To Jerusalem to Jerusalem, and from there to the heavens. And then he declares why. He says, Why did he take him on this journey? He says, to make him witness extraordinary, powerful, miracle signs of God. You see, we need a witnessing. We're already witnessing so much that really reveal the beauty and the 
perfection and the mercy of God, just look at yourselves. The prophet is, is, a, is, a, is a person who carried an enormous message. So God wanted to really show him his rank and exalt a place to really sustain him, to make him understand, this is, you're not done yet. I'm preparing you for something even bigger than that. No matter how low it looks right now, you shall continue to receive and receive until you're satisfied. So Prophet Muhammad on that night, on that night, 1400 years ago, he tells the story himself. Tells the story himself. And this story caused a ripple in Mecca, by the way. People mocked him. People jeered at him. People whistled at him. People laughed at him after he came back and told the story. But we're telling it today, and it's recorded in our scripture. He says, on one night when I was sleeping, in, according to one report, in the house of my cousin, Um Hanif. And he said, I took a nap in the middle of the night because it was his custom to pray at night. And, how, and all of us are really in desperate need to get up at night and pray because it's a time of healing. It's a time of intimate connection with Allah. Intimate connection. That's when souls ascend and rise. That's when you feel the, the, the serenity of the times. That's when you really sense the mercy of God apart from all the distractions of the world in the middle of the night. And it was his habit. He said, I took a nap. And I was half asleep when suddenly Jibreel, Gabriel, showed up, appeared to him, just as he appeared to all the messengers of God before. From the time of Adam, down all the prophets and messengers of God, Noah, David, Jacob, and Joseph, down to Jesus and Moses and Prophet Muhammad. He showed up, revealing, delivering the message of God to all of them. And he says, he got me up and he says, you're wanted, you're being summoned. And he said, I got up and he held my hand, hand in hand. A companion indeed. Gabriel was a companion of Prophet Muhammad. Just as he was a companion of all the messengers before. You need that intim intimate friend in your life. And he was his intimate friend and he held his hand. And he said, he wouldn't let me go and I wouldn't let me go. I clutched onto him. And suddenly he says, he brought with him, a, there appeared this, this, this uh, um, um, you know, animal-like creature that appeared like a horse. And he describes the Prophet Muhammad. He said, it was smaller than a mule, bigger than a donkey. Right? He describes his vehicle that he was supposed to mount. And Jibreel mounted it with him. Mounted this creature with him. And amazingly, the Buraq, Al-Buraq in Arabic, is a word that shares its root, linguistic root, with the word Barq. What is Barq? Lightning. It was a creature of lightning speed, beyond light. We never really think of power, brothers and sisters. Right now, in this day and age, we're making rockets that go to Mars. They'll go to Mars. Might take two, three years. Traveling at 17,000 kilometers per second. 17,000 kilometers, like unimaginable, right? But yet, even at that speed, it will take two, three years to reach Mars. Can you imagine? And that's like one of the closest planets. What about reaching the next star? What about reaching the farthest star in the galaxy, the Milky Way? What about getting out of the Milky Way into the Andromeda galaxy, the closest galaxy to us? What about the bigger world of 100 billion galaxies? Are we talking about the last star in that galaxy? No, 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 no. The Prophet is going to be taken not to, not to the next planet or star, but to the highest point from the rock bottom point to the highest point in all creation for the seventh heaven. Imagine, brothers and sisters, to the highest point that is described in the Quran as Sidratul Muntaha, the low tree of the utmost boundary. Now, okay, it's one thing to think, okay, possible, sure, God will take him there, but how can he really possibly arrive there in a few seconds? That's why a lot of people kind of lost it when they heard the story. Well, think if we're doing that right now, 
and were able to reach the moon some 50, 60 years ago, although some people still don't believe it, right? And we're reaching Mars and beyond and to the fringes of the galaxy. How can God, the source of power, not bring you and me to the farthest point in all creation in a split second? He is above space and time. He is above space and time. Imagine the speed of light, brothers and sisters. The speed of light itself. And we're fortunate to have understood the speed of light. Because Prophet Muhammad was traveling faster than the speed of light, even. This light travels at 186,000, you can imagine, miles per second. What does that mean? Like, it's hard to fathom. It means in one second, light will travel, travel around Earth seven times. So blink. If you have issued a light, if it emanated out of a, out of a source right now, you turn on that light, in a blink of an eye, it will go around Earth seven times in one second. Within that blink of an eye. That's how fast it is. Who made it? God Himself made it. He's demonstrating His power to all of us already. But that light is still slow. And it will still take it eight minutes, eight minutes from the time it emanates from the sun to reach Earth. Wow. This is how big this world is? Absolutely. It's beyond our imagination. Beyond our comprehension. This very light that travels seven times around Earth in a blink of an eye, it'll take it four years. Four years to travel from the nearest star to us. Can you imagine the nearest star? How many stars are there? Well, scientists say that there are more stars in the heaven than all these galaxies, the hundred billion galaxies that we've counted. There's far bigger and more, right? The hundred some billion galaxies that we have. They say there's more stars within these galaxies than there are uh, specks of dust, grain of sound, on all the beaches of the world. Can you imagine? Just please grab a, a handful of dust when you go to the beach next time. And say, wow, can I count those? Even on the tip of your finger, can you count them? Can I count them? What if I were to gather the sand on, all, on one beach? What if multiple beaches? What if all the beaches on earth, there are more stars in the heaven than there is sand on all these beaches? Say subhanAllah, right? The one who made you and me, and we contain ourselves an infinite number of cells. Hundred trillion cells, and within each cell is trillions of particles. That's within you right now, alive. Speaking and testifying to the power of God and His mercy. And He's walking us right now, initiating, causing life and death each and every moment, aware of every particle in the universe. But we just lost that because we're unconscious. How mesmerizing. How astonishing. So Prophet Muhammad was not supposed to travel to the nearest star. And it takes, as I said, light to travel within that distance. Four years. Four years, brothers and sisters. Just to actually approximate a little bit more for you. If you were to drive in a car, in a car at 60 miles per hour, it'll take you 46 million years to reach Proxima Centauri, the nearest star. 46 million years. Yet we're told within seconds, God's power allowed that creature to take Prophet Muhammad from Mecca to Jerusalem. And from there he ascended to the heavens, to the seventh heaven, where he was in the presence of Allah, we had a conversation with him, where he saw his place, where he saw paradise, where he saw the angels filling the heavens, and came back, back to his bed. That's how astonishing it is. Further, further details about this. So Prophet Muhammad tells us about this. And he says, we mounted the creature Al-Buraq, and before you know it, it flew. Flew, brothers and sisters. No spacesuits on them, right? No oxygen tanks, nothing. Because God makes the impossible possible. And if He made you and me, 
Why can't he make something that astonishes the mind? It's already witnessing astonishing, miraculous things all around us. We just got adapted to them. We just got accustomed to them, but we no longer see them as powerful evidences and proofs of God Almighty. Isn't it true? Look at the heaven above. Look at the clouds transporting water all around earth. Look at us traveling in this saucer called earth around the sun with all the planets in a beautiful synchronized motion and a dance. Who could have made all of this? And so on and on and on and on. Countless, countless, infinite evidences. Prophet Muhammad will mount it and they will travel in, in a speed farther or you know, faster than the speed of light. And before they know it, he says, we reach Jerusalem and Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. And it was at that point that he says, I actually tied my camel, so to speak. Tied the Burak. Teaching all of us, you got to tie your camel. You got to do your part and don't say, well, it's a creature of God, it's, 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 it's secure. No, 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 no. Tie your camel and he tied it and he says, I entered the masjid, the mosque. And within the mosque, he saw something extraordinary. He says, all the prophets and messengers of God were there. The greatest assembly that has ever taken place on this earth, in our history, was that moment where all the prophets and messengers of God, talk about diversity. All of them, he said, I went and joined them in prayer. Join them in prayer. Can you imagine that moment, brothers and sisters, where they all pray together for the same God? Talk about all the diverse backgrounds and, 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 and diverse experiences and the different spots on earth that they were sent to. All of them brought back into this beautiful moment of union, reminding all of us, think about where you came from and think about where we're going. That's why when we face trials, we say, Inna lillah wa inna ilayhi raja'un. Remember our unity our common source, to Allah who belong, to Allah who return. All these messengers of God have done their part and went back to the source. Went back to the source. Just as this universe emanated from the seed. We call it Big Bang right, right now, right? And Allah says in the Quran, we'll unfold it back into the seed. You and I emanated from the seed in the belly of our mothers, and we'll go back to the same source, earth. Indeed, common background, common source, and common destination. He said, we were done with the prayer of the Salah where I met all the prophets of God. And from there, he said, a beautiful stairway was brought to me. Allah likes a which I've never seen before. This is, brothers, this is beyond the veil. It was all unveiled for him. He has seen things as Allah says, He says, I put him on this journey, I took him through this journey for him to witness the greatest of the signs of God. That I ask Allah right now that he makes us witness in the next life. Because they'll indeed blow your mind, they'll astonish you. They'll reveal to you really the, the incredible power of God Almighty. And how He's always been there. That He never really abandoned us. And He said, we reached the lowest heaven. And from there He says, I knocked on, you know, Jibreel, Gabriel knocked on the door of the lowest heaven. And even for Gabriel, the angel guarding the gate, He said, who's knocking and what are you here for? And He said, I am Jibreel, Gabriel, and with me is Muhammad. And He says, for Muhammad, the summons were given for him to come, welcome. And Prophet Muhammad says, I entered the first heaven, and within that heaven, I saw Prophet Adam alayhi salam. I saw Prophet Adam alayhi salam. And Jibreel told me to greet him, and I greeted him. But I noticed something when I greeted him, because he responded back by saying, welcome, righteous son, and righteous servant. But then he started to cry. He started to cry. He was crying. And he said, he was crying whenever he looked towards, in one direction, towards his left, and he was smiling whenever he looked at his right. And he says, Prophet Muhammad, he says, I went to Gabriel and asked him, why is he smiling sometimes and crying the other times? He said to him, he was smiling whenever he looked to his right and saw his good children. 
all those people that have come after him who are really good. Right? And it gave him, as a father, a smile, a joy in his heart. And he said, whenever he looked at his left, he saw all, the, his, all of his children who really you know, perverted themselves, corrupted themselves on this earth, and spread mischief and corruption on this earth. Right? Hurting themselves and others. He said, whenever he looked at him, he started to, he started to cry. What an incredible moment. When we look at our source, Adam, السلام, and he's already in heaven. He said, from that point, after that brief encounter, we ascended to the second heaven, and the gate of the heaven has opened. And within that, I met Prophet Yahya, John, and Isa, Jesus Christ. And the same thing occurred. I greeted them with peace, and they greeted me back, saying, Welcome, brother. Welcome, brother. They're all brothers, brothers and sisters. Indeed, aware of it, and in love with each other. They share that common purpose and mission. And I ask Allah to make all of us aware of and to make us people of that mission, that incredible noble mission on this earth. In those brief moments, He met him and from there He ascended further, it wasn't over, into the third heaven, and from there to the fourth heaven, and to the fifth heaven, and through all of those He met Idris salam. He met Harun, Aaron, and He met Moses, Prophet Moses, in the sixth heaven. And by the way, this has nothing to do with ranks of messengers, as to who is where. And because this, this is kind of not according to our rational thinking about order, right? These are the heavens of God. He said, I met Moses. And I was so delighted to have met him. Because he's, one of, he's the closest of the messengers of Prophet Muhammad wasallam. The closest of the messengers whose life and journey mimics his life the most. The struggles, the trials, right? The hopes and the dreams. The effort and the striving, Prophet Moses mimics it more than anybody else. And he said, I encountered him, and from there I ascended to the seventh heaven, and in the seventh heaven I met Prophet Ibrahim السلام, the father of all of us. And he said something amazing happened. I saw him leaning against the wall of a place, and it's called Al-Baytul Ma'mur, as we are with the off-frequented house. What is this off-frequented house in the seventh heaven? We're taught that it's a, a, a place, a house, where angels each day enter that house to do nothing but to glorify Allah, God Almighty, with their subhanallahs, alhamdulillahs, and Allahu Akbars. That's what they're created for, to dedicate their time entirely for the worship, the prostrations, and the mention of God Almighty. 70,000 enter it each day, and leave. And the following day, another 70,000 get in, do their work for the day, glorifying God and worshiping it, and leave. And the third day, a new group comes. Imagine this happening each and every day, in our lives, and before our lives until the end of time. Each and every day, how many angels are there? Well, if the stars counted more than the grains of sand in all the beaches of the world, what about the angels? What about that bigger world? Prophet Muhammad tells us this whole universe that we're in, that many define reality, you know, as being equivalent to. That indeed, reality is this, this universe that we're living in, nothing else, because we cannot see it. Prophet Muhammad said, this whole universe, this lowest heaven, so to speak, is nothing but a speck of dust in the second heaven. And the second heaven is nothing but a speck of dust in an ocean of the third, and so on and so forth. How big is the world of God Almighty? Bigger than your imagination. Can you imagine the number of angels? And Prophet Muhammad, as he was ascending, he was seeing those incredible crowds of angels prostrating and mentioning God's name and glorifying Him. So he saw Prophet Ibrahim leaning against the wall of the house as if he has reached this point of comfort. Remember the future, the satisfaction? You know, after a long journey, how you would feel? You just take a, a rest, and perhaps you're feeling that you know, final peace. You saw your children grow up, and they finally made it, and they graduated. You're like, 
become relieved. Indeed, Prophet Ibrahim was relieved. And he greeted him, and he greeted him back, and he said, he told me, Oh Muhammad, you know, uh, send, my message, send, my, send my greetings to your ummah, to your, to your community, to people on this earth. Send them my greetings and tell them this. This is beautiful from a man who arrived. Tell them that paradise is beautiful. Its soil is beautiful and scented. Its water and fruits and foods are delicious, beyond your imagination. That it's a beautiful abode for them to settle in, essentially. That indeed the way to plant your seeds in it, so to speak, your trees, is to say, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. The common things we say after each prayer, they are so meaningful and precious to God. For you to just glorify God and say, SubhanAllah, Alhamdulillah, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Akbar. It's rippling into the next world. Already planting your seeds and trees there. That's an extraordinary message from the man who has already treaded that path and exited from this world and he's with God in full satisfaction and joy. And from there he said, I ascend it further until we reach the point. It was marked by that tree that I told you about, Sidratul Muntaha, the low tree of the utmost boundary. And he said, when we reached it, suddenly Gabriel, Jibreel stopped. And he said to him, why are you stopping? He said, I cannot cross that point. If I cross it, I'll incinerate. And if you cross it, you shall pass. And it's the point that marks the utmost boundary beyond which nobody knows what's there. Right? The realm of God Almighty. That nobody has ever seen or experienced. And indeed, it was at that point the Prophet Muhammad was permitted to enter it and Jibreel was standing back. And he said, when I looked back at Jibreel looked back. I saw him and he looked like a threadbare, worn out carpet. From the fear of just being close to that place. That's the glory of God Almighty. He was looking like a worn out carpet. And he said, I entered. And what did he see there? We're told in our tradition that he didn't see God. Nobody can see God until the next world. But that he was immersed in his light. And he indeed heard the voice of God, just as Moses heard the voice of God. And they had a conversation. And what kind of a conversation Allah knows. And what did he see there? Allah He saw in that realm the greatest, the most exalted of the signs of God that nobody has ever seen. And he had that conversation, and within the conversation, after the greetings, he tells us that God gave him a gift. And what was that gift? That he made him ascend to the heavens to get. It was this salah that we're performing. But that initially we heard that it was mandated by God. He said, Oh Muhammad, take this with you. And it was the salah, the prayers. But it was 50 in a day, instead of five that we're accustomed to. Prophet Muhammad, the humble servant, took it back. And on his way down, he said, I met Moses again. And Moses said, what happened? And I told him what happened. He's already familiar with the voice of God, Moses, because he heard the voice of God and he conversed already. He said, what did he tell you? He said, well, I had this conversation. He, he gave me this gift, the prayer. He said, how many? He said, 50. He said, no, 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 no. It's not going to work. It is not going to work. I've tried this in my community. Ask, they're not going to do it. Trust me, go back and ask for a reduction. And he said, I listened to my brother and I went back up. And here he stands and is aware of the mercy of God. And he said, I met him again and I asked for a reduction, begging and pleading. He said, Moses, bring it down to 40. And he said, I came down and Moses was waiting for me. And he said, what happened? He said, oh, God, reduced to 40. He said, no, 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 no. He said, go back. <laughs> go back, it's not going to work. And he said, I assumed listening to my brother and I asked. And it was brought down to 30. I meet Moses again. He said, get back up. It's not going to work. And he, from there, he asked for reduction down to 20, down to 10. And when it was 10, he asked Moses, and he said, 10 only. 
10 prayers, he said, it's not going to work. Go back up and listen. And he said, I asked finally for reduction, and God said, five. And I issued my mandate, my command, and it's over, so to speak. And he said, at that point, I went back to Moses, and I said, five. He said, get back up. I said, I'm not going to go back up. <laughs> and indeed, it was at that point that he heard even the voice of God saying, I'm satisfied with this. Why was it started, why did it start at 50 and got reduced to 5? Did God not know? Of course He knew. But he wanted us to understand that we're really created to worship God. But that He is gentle and merciful with all of us. That really, this is what He deemed to be the appropriate burden for all of us to make us connected and aware of God. And from there, Prophet Muhammad came down. And He witnessed paradise, came back all the way to earth, brothers and sisters, to tell you and me about the next world. He has already seen it. He witnessed the unseen. He saw beyond that then. Imagine if you and I give that glimpse, what will happen to our lives? Indeed, within that moment of pain, it will be washed away. But we need to be really conscious of these beautiful moments and beautiful occasions. I ask Allah, God Almighty, to awaken our hearts and minds with consciousness of God. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَأَسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهَ الْعَظِيمَ لِي وَلَكُمْ فَاسْتَغْفِرُوا Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al-khalq wa sayyidil mursaleen Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in Infinite lessons that we can draw from this beautiful journey that we're about to commemorate in a couple of weeks Indeed, but this is just to recall when this journey happened It's your journey and my journey The journey of the human being on this earth If we're people of faith we understand that we're not living for this world We're like, you know, a, a fetus, a baby in the womb of his mother or her mother and you think that's the world, the womb. That baby has to be brought out. Brought out, and when it comes out, it sees really what this world is about from that little confine of that space. We're indeed in the womb of this world, and God tells us there is a world bigger. And that's what you're being prepared for. Prophet Muhammad, Prophet Moses, Prophet Jesus, Prophet Adam and David, they're all being prepared for that. And they came here on a mission to remind you and me about this. When you see a life bigger than this life, a lot of things will be, a lot of the pains and the grief, you know, it'll be washed away. You'll be able to think really of what you're here for on this earth. More than anything, recalling when this journey happened for Prophet Muhammad, it happened after an intimate supplication. Isn't it true? You and I are being summoned to remember that we need God more than anything else in these times. But nobody can wash your pain away but God. Nobody can give you that sense of optimism and awareness of the next world but God, but He wants you to come down, prostrate, and turn your hands up and say, Oh Allah, you see me. You see my pain. You see my heart. Doors appear to be closed, but just as He told Prophet Muhammad, if all doors closed, the door to the heaven never, never ever closes on you. Never. And the distance is so near, just raise your hands and ask. And Prophet Muhammad was given, and all of us are being promised this. How many of us brothers and sisters understand the power of this? Our children, our neighbors, our parents, our communities are hurting. They're in pain. They're anxious. Last week I was with a, a lot of college students after the, the, the tragic events of New Zealand. They're hurting brothers and sisters. They need you and me, our children, our communities, more than ever. More than ever to really be those tireless workers that plant the seed despite the pain that continue this effort to bring as much mercy, kindness, compassion to those around us, yet indeed sometimes it's difficult because you're hurting. But that's what your mission is, brothers and sisters. Understanding that no matter what you go through, there's a real beautiful world where you'll really see your place in it. It is those times when you're supposed to remember what Allah said to Prophet Muhammad 
We know the constriction and the grief in your heart. Then he tells us, prostrate, put your hand on the ground and ask. Intimately ask. Share what's in your heart with God. But then get up. Roll up your sleeve and do the work that you're summoned to do. I ask you this today, what else can we do? He is, as parents, as fathers and mothers, what else, are we, what else can we do? Many of us are just satisfied, content with the little that we do. We're being summoned and challenged to push a little bit more. To also be, show up in our mosque and institutions. To talk to your neighbors, right? Believe me, extraordinary things can happen. Of healing, of light emerging into the heart. Wallahi. And that's the promise of God. You and I need it more than ever. Let us raise our hands. And ask intimately. Because God right now is hearing you, seeing you, and He's not going to turn you away. And He can open the doors of the heaven and you witness it in your heart. Oh Allah, You are the most gracious. You are the most merciful. You are the source of affection and the source of all power. We ask You, oh God, to heal all of our hearts. Oh God, heal all of our hearts and fill it with consciousness of You. Grant us Your remembrance. Grant us the ability to serve You, oh God. Do not make us among the unconscious, among the heedless, oh God. Oh God, we ask You, oh Allah, to bring us together, united, Ya Allah, in Your service. In the service of something bigger than all of us. Make us people of compassion and mercy, of affection to everyone around us, those that we like, those that we think we don't like. Oh God, open our hearts to them, O oh Allah. Grant us patience, Ya Allah, to be able to do the work that you wanted us to do. Allahumma khfilana wa rahamna wa afu anna wa tawalla amrana wa ahsan khalasana wa akhtim bil baqiyat al-salihati a'malana. Allahumma rahamna bi rahmatin tuhlina biha an rahmati man siwaak. Wa salli allahumma ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in wa aqlna salah.